Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. My friend, Ann Gentry, is our guest today. And I have to tell you something. One, the whole reason we do this podcast is because most of the people that appear, I've either read their book, eaten in their restaurant, known them sometime in my life, and I love catching up with them. And today is truly that. So, Anne, I met you because I was the culinary producer on a TV show that you did 52 episodes. And the reason Anne was tapped to do a TV, a TV show, besides the obvious, she's adorable and knowledgeable. If you don't know, Anne had a restaurant, five eventually, in L LA called Real Food Daily. Anne, hello, and thank oh. you. <laughs> And I mean, I'm so, when I read, when I think about it, so, you know, I've said this to you, time passes so quickly. I did not know time was going to pass so quickly in my life. But to think that you were having um, vegan restaurants 30 years ago in Los Angeles, that's pretty extraordinary. I'm afraid it makes you a pioneer. <laughs> well, I, I, I can accept that. I didn't know it at the time when I was creating it and running it, but certainly as time passed on, marched on, as you mentioned, I, and people started calling me that, I really started to embrace that and realize, yeah. oh my gosh, I have been instrumental in moving this cuisine forward. So instrumental. Now, I have the same thing, and this is the only... I, people started describing me as a veteran food stylist. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, yeah, I've been in a few wars. So I understand pretty soon. I thought, doesn't that make me sound like I'm from World War II? And then I thought, I don't care. I'm just going to have to embrace it. So I know the feeling. Now, young lady, so how you have to give us a little inkling on how you started that process, how you thought, I'm going to educate the world about vegan food. Wow. Well, let me just say that, hey, I grew up in, I, I learned how to talk in Houston, Texas, and I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I grew up on a standard American diet, Southern style, yeah. <laughs> which I will add is definitely uses a lot of vegetables in the cooking. Now they may be greens like cooked down to mush with ham hocks, but the greens were in there. And as we know, dark leafy greens are so important to all of us as we age. Anyway, I went off to New York City to uh, pursue a career in acting. I got a job at a natural foods restaurant. I've never even heard the word natural food. And it changed my life. You know, you know, there I was in my early 20s. I mean, most, most great things that you run across when you're young change your life. And so I became a vegetarian. Nobody used the word vegan then, though it was coined in England and something like 1937 or something. Nobody was using that word. So vegetarians, a lot of dairy, but no animal products or byproducts, except the dairy <laughs> and possible eggs. Anyway, I ate like that for years. Then I stumbled upon macrobiotics, which was all the vogue then. By now we're talking about the 1980s. Yep. And unfortunately, macrobiotics was always associated with sick people. You know, it was a, a big movement within uh, support for the AIDS crisis that was happening. And of course, New York City was bound zero to that. And then people with cancer came forward to often get to macrobiotics when it was way too late for it to make a difference in their health. 
Anyway, the study of macrobiotics was about really a life philosophy of one peaceful world. And if we really took care of ourselves and ate simply and cleanly, we wouldn't be sort of the culture we are today, you know, wired up, jacked up, aggressive, upset, and, you know, violent, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, See, brown rice had its purpose. <laughs> okay, now don't get them off, but you have a point. <laughs> anyway, I studied that. I, I kind of toyed with the idea in New York. There I was, I was a working actress. Like, wow, I, maybe I should open a little food shop. And I had a neighbor who was a culinary person and also gotten into this style of cooking. And we sat around and talked about it but we didn't do it. But I realized, well, that was a seed that was planted somewhere in the back of my brain. And uh, of course, at that time, New York City had a bunch of restaurants that were natural foods and then eventually macrobiotics came along and then you know, all the other modalities that have shown up since then. And they all show up and they rotate and they come back in and they go out of vogue, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Anyway, when I moved out here to California as an actress, I came out here for pilot season, I thought this would be the mecca of natural foods. It would like, oh, this is California. This is where our food is grown. Wow, and you know, organic was just starting to be recognized that this is a viable way to grow food. Um, and I was so disappointed. There was no place to eat in LA. <laughs> you know, to find there was a few mom, pop hole in the walls, but nothing really substantial. This was Mrs. Gooch's. It was way before, you know, all the natural food stores yes. had, you know, prepared foods that you could go in and get a good meal. So I didn't do anything about it. Then I started cooking these little box lunches for other actors because I was very macrobiotic, my rice and beans and tofu and sea vegetables and very committed. And other actors would see me with this food and ask, would I make a box for them? So a $10 box became a $25 bag of food, became a whole industry in my apartment illegally cooking, hoping the health department wasn't going to bust me. <laughs> I don't know, I really don't know a woman in food that didn't start in their apartment, Anne. I think it's the most charming. Martha Stewart started in her apartment. That's now, it may have been on Fifth Avenue and her husband was <laughs> vice president of Simon & Schuster and she had help, but it was still her apartment. No, good for you. I so love that story. I love that. And well, you know, it's about breaking rules. I mean, you kind of have to. And even when I got into the restaurant business, I broke a lot of rules. And, you know, people get so afraid, like, I'm going to get in trouble. And I said, what's the worst? They're just going to slap your hand first. <laughs> and then you can straighten it out. I mean, I'm talking about city issues and health issues. I mean, I was never going to harm anyone. But you have to. You know, in the restaurant business, oh my gosh, you're cutting corners all the time. You know what, Ann, if people haven't been in catering the restaurant business in food, and now it has loosened up because they've had cottage industry laws coming in and different things. But people don't realize that to have a business in California is no easy feat. That's right. It is, uh, when people say to me, "How? what are you most proud of? I said, I kept a business going in Los Angeles for 40 years. Yeah. And didn't yeah. get arrested and didn't, you know, didn't get sued. But it's not an easy, 
There are so many rules here in California. I mean, unbelievable rules. So bravo, bravo, <laughs> I understand. Now, when uh, I met you and you had been, so you'd had your restaurant. So yes, yes, we got and going. When was that? Oh, you yeah, can yeah. never remember the dates of that. I but. have no idea. I'm so yeah. sorry. I, those decades are kind of just lost. It had to have been, I would think, the 90s. No, or, I think, because you know what? Um, uh, my son was born. He was born oh. in 2003. So I think I think it's about 2005. Okay. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, because your children were in... One of the episodes. Yeah, a couple of them, maybe. Yeah. And when I came to your house the first time to meet you, your son was little and they were adorable. I, I do remember that. So you're absolutely right. Oh my God, well, <laughs> that is two decades ago. It's okay if we're not quite, if there's a little fuzziness there, that's okay. When we shot your show, and I have to tell you something, they had found that house. It was a little difficult of a location, but the set was pretty, you were great. I think they were going, it was supposed to be a natural house, seriously, or a greenhouse. Yeah. And, and that was great. But the assistant that came with me was from, the Philippines and her name was Mika and she was the sweetest child and she was really learning. She cooked from your book from with the one with the brown cover. I'm sorry the name is Real Food Daily Cookbook. Yes. Book. He cooked yeah. from that book from page one to the very last page. Yeah. He loved that book <laughs> uh, and I have to tell people right before we went on Cindy was saying how she used to eat in your restaurant fell in love in your restaurant, got, I think they broke up in your restaurant. <laughs> Her wounded heart was healed in your restaurant. So I don't, I, I always say this, restaurants are so important in our culture. Do you know what I mean? And in our society, they're just, it's, it, and I always say to people, you know, I loved restaurants my whole life, not because I went into food, but because my parents took us out a lot. Okay, every Sunday after church, we went to the best restaurant in town that San Rafael, California could show us. And because my mother said, we work hard and I'm tired of cooking and cleaning all week. So on Sunday morning, she was, a, you know, we took her out. She was the queen. And we got to eat in restaurants with, of course, they, most of them were Italian because that's who we are, with red tuxedo jackets or, you know, short red jackets and fancy shirts. And that's how we learned manners. I mean, yes. to be honest, that was, and we would, and my parents were different when we were in the restaurant. Do you know what I mean? My father wasn't um, in his wife beater t-shirt screaming about something or God damn that dog. I think he's going to throw up on the carpet or whatever was going on in our family. Always delicate. We were delicate creatures as you can imagine. Anne. And so restaurants, I learned so much about restaurants from restaurants. And I learned about then later on, all about different foods. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. Because yeah, you can't, you're as great a cook as one's mother might have been. It was limited. You know, they had their style and they kind of cooked the same thing over and over. I do now. Now, Anna, yeah. I have to find new things to cook. I've never done that in my life. But uh, since I'm cooking dinner like six, seven nights a week, yeah. 
I am a young girl that used to be a food stylist that came to one of our work to, once in a while puts together, it's funny, a collage of like plates that I've shared and there'll be nine plates and they all have green beans. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, she didn't need to point that out. But it's because it's one of the vegetables my husband eats generously and graciously because he's not big on vegetables. I have to make, I have to say, I made you a gorgeous salad. I made these green beans for you. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not his, it's not his thing. So at one point you had five restaurants. Correct. Yes. That is so much management. I can't even. Oh, it. Yes, it is. It makes me tired thinking about I, it. I, I, well, this yeah. is why we have to do these things. Right. Young. Yeah. You can't do them as you yeah. can. You can't, you know, I, I've worked with some of the greatest chefs in the world. I know you have too, their friends, their colleagues, but you know, at some point people just are tired. That's all there is. Yeah. I remember one night working with Wolfgang Puck in the middle of the night for satellite media tour. It wasn't too long ago. And he turned to me, I've known him forever. He said, Madam, what are we doing here? In the <laughs> and I said, he was tired. It was like one or two in the morning. He'd left the restaurant. He'd had two glasses of red wine. The limo brought him to the set. The guy was falling apart. I mean, and we hadn't even started yet. And then he <laughs> and I said, well, I'm buying new outside furniture for my second home. Wolf, what, why are you here? He said, ah, new wife, new house, new kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gotta keep working. <laughs> Gotta keep working. No, so at your height, you're, you were still being a mom though too, right? You had two children. So you're running five restaurants yes. and you're married and you have a big home and you have two children. Yes, it was a lot to juggle. I mean, I think I did it well. And I was fortunate that I had a husband who had his own business that he, he wasn't as locked down in it as I was. He had a partner. And so, you know, we did the parent thing very well. We're very proud of our young adult children now. They're good kids. They're going to great, you know, they're going to live great lives and do great things. How wonderful. But, but wow, you know, and now I'll tell you a little funny story though. story, though. They hate to go out to eat with me now. Because they say, mother, you just can't stop criticizing the experience we're having, you know, because the service today's service just, okay, don't get me going on it. And I realized, I said to my husband the other night, we, was, the two of us were out. I said, look, I am not the only one that feels this way. They're writing about this in the New Yorker, <laughs> in the New York Times. People are, people of our generation are upset that service has dropped to the place that it has. And anyway, so I do try to curb myself when I'm eating now so that we could have a pleasurable meal. <laughs> I think that is such a hot button. And I so understand what you're saying. And I certainly understand everything you just said. One of the, oh, it's so much, Anne. We can't go there. But actually, we should have we should make that a whole show by itself. You know, when I knew that the industry got, and I'm from the back of the house hand, so I'm talking, yeah. but in catering, you know, I had to hire the waiters and we're doing these big events. All of a sudden I saw good waiters, great waiters. I saw people that I trusted in my kitchen standing there talking on their phone. And at the moment I thought, oh, this isn't gonna be good. Do you know what I mean? Because it meant that you were not paying attention to what you were doing. It meant that whoever called you 
was more important than the job you were doing at the moment. So I remember the first, as it started to happen in my kitchen, I became the meanie. (laughs) I said, you can't answer your phone when you're working. I give you two breaks a day and you have a lunch hour. You're welcome to talk on the phone. And any of those times walk out of the kitchen, but you can't answer your phone when you're in the kitchen. And they were like, (gasps) right. (laughs) <laughs> what if it's an emergency? I said, what if it's not? You know? And I think that plays into exactly what you're saying. It's just, it's a different world, but I know service is terrible. Yeah, it is. It's funny because we don't go out that much. And so my husband and I were out on Saturday night. I don't know when the last time we were out, obviously for the last few years, nobody's gone out. But so I rem- we remembered as we got into the mill and the service was falling apart, well, there was no service. I said, oh, remember, we said that we were just going to coach them and tell them how we wanted it coursed. <laughs> and then you resent that because you think I'm paying like some money here. This, you know, and like, I've got to tell you to bring the wine before you lay down the appetizers, you know? And anyway, it's all rushed out. Like my husband says, well, they want to turn tables. I said, yeah, but don't you think it takes longer to turn the table when we're sitting there like, I now need some silverware because I'm about to eat my entree because the other person busted and never returned with a new place, place setting, you know? So, wow. But do a show on it and have a bunch of people on it. all go crazy. Like four or five all women that ran restaurants and talk about it because it is, and it also, it speaks to the restaurant industry. It speaks to a whole lot of issues in our culture. Um, and I just would just, what I want to say is just, cause to me, I think having grown up in the South and manners and hospitality yes. was important. And I had worked in restaurants enough to have that experience as a server or bartender myself And then I think I did a good job for the most part at Real Food Daily of really driving, and I use that word, hospitality, you know. CPK was my big role model. And at the beginning they had excellent service that really is still talked about today. Danny Meyer's books at the table. And of course he's a Southerner. Well, I always called St. Louis a Southern town. Other people would say Midwest, but still he was talking to these points. You still see it a few places. Yes. In fact, I find some quick service places, knowing who the people are behind it, actually have better hospitality than some of these sit-down restaurants today, believe I, it or not. Just the kids are friendly and they're on it and they're focused with you. And yeah. Yeah. It's and when people would compliment my staff after big caterings, they'd say, oh my God, I'd say, you know, I hire smart, nice people. <laughs> it makes a big difference. You hire the, the, the sweet, nice people, not the nasty people. And that makes a big difference. Now, so here you are. Yes. And now, which is what I love, because you and I both kind of retired from our yeah. careers at the same time. Now, and the first year I was still, I, I got calls. So Cindy and Patty took him over. It was all great. The pandemic hit and then there was no choice. But this year is really the first time I'm starting to enjoy that I don't have to go to work. <laughs> yes. It was a four year process for okay. me emotionally, internally, 
spiritually thinking about leaving Real Food Daily. Yeah. And what that meant to me and how that was going to affect other people. The people that had, you know, had 150 employees. My employee, and many of them were there from day one. That's amazing. That's a test. You know? That's a yeah. And then the customers, because people, they were counting on these restaurants to be there for them. And it was, it was just this internal process of what am I doing in my life now? What's the end game here? Like, how's this thing going to end? <laughs> because no, I'm not going to do it when I'm one foot out of the grave. Yes. And, and I was tired and worn out. I mean, and as a woman, I had my children late in life. I went into menopause. I got into, you know, some minor health issues, thyroid issues, very common, you know, whether that was menopause, post-pregnancy, or just stress. I mean, it was all stress-related. Totally. So I wasn't, I wasn't really firing on all my cylinders in the energy that, you know, I usually had. I was really depleted and fatigued on every level. So anyway, I go through this process and it was at one point I thought, I was just going to walk away and just close them up and we're done. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Can't worry about everybody else. I know. As I, you know, but then finally I realized, no, there's got to be a what, better way. So long story short, some of them got sold. Some of them got closed. How smart. It was clear that the new ownership that took the two didn't want me involved. And it was like, well, great, because to tell you the truth, I'm ready to go. No problem here. So I've never really looked back. And that was freeing to not feel like, well, I'm still carrying it. But my husband said to me at that time, so this would have been 2017, I guess. He said to me, Anne, do nothing. Do nothing. And I couldn't hear that. I couldn't take that in, do nothing. And I realize now that I was like a, the bullet train that we're trying to build here in California. I was going at such a high speed, even with my depletion and worn outness that I couldn't stop. And there was such fear of like, what will I do? If I don't do something, who am I here? You know, who am I? Who am I? Right, because you know, my identity that I'd had, I had that restaurant for 25 years. I now was not associated with it anymore. So I, you know, but look, I see it now. It's okay. It was just all part of the journey. Yeah. So it took about three years. It was, pro it was the fall prior to the pandemic. So the fall of 2019. So for those first two years, I was exploring online. I thought, well, I'll be a health coach online. I'll talk to women about you know, food, my diet had drastically changed. I no longer exclusively a vegetarian or a vegan. I had brought in, you know, fish and uh, I was really eating for brain health. And that buzzword was just starting to happen then because I lost my mother's to Alzheimer's and I watched, you know, I held her hand in a 10 year process. Oh, and I was spending, you know, thank goodness I had the time so I could spend a lot of time back and forth to Memphis where she was. And so I got really into brain health. Like, wow, I need to do some things differently. And a lot of the foods that I'd been eating for years are part of a brain health diet. You know, whole grains, quality fats, uh, vegetables, 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 and all those dark leafy greens cooked. But um, I just jumped into another 
you know, fire really. And I thought, well, I'll be a coach and everybody's online and everybody, anybody can be an expert. You know, <laughs> you know one little nugget of some truth and you can go out there and sell a course. So, and you are an expert on a lot of what you're talking about. So I, but I understand what you're saying. So there's so many issues, you know, you run a business, your children start to grow up and don't need you as much. And then also, when you said you didn't even know that you're thyroid or you don't even know that you don't feel very well or that you're depleted because you're moving so fast. And I say that to women all the time when we get messages and stuff, people say, oh, I wish I had your energy. I said, you, I, you're talking about listening to me for the two hours a week that we do podcasts. I, when I all of a sudden got to Ventorian, so we sold the house, both houses and had to clean out my studio and all that crap. When I got here one day, I thought, I really don't feel very well. <laughs> and I got to a, my, a special woman, she has a woman's health center and she did all my tests and she said to me, and how have you been getting out of bed for the last couple of years? I said, I had a business to run. The world was dependent on me to pull that wagon train. And she said, you have Hashimoto's disease and you're in really poor health. And I remember, I was, of course, I was angry that she had the nerve to tell me the truth. I hate that in a doctor. And then, and I had to face the reality and take care of myself. And then also I had to emotionally, what you were saying spiritually, I had to decide that maybe there's other things to life than just work. Well, Denise, interesting that you would bring that up because that was, that's what happened to me. I had Hashimoto disease and, um, you know, hyperthyroidism. Yes. And so I went on that medication uh, and I chose to do that. I did not go the natural path. I explored that. There were a lot of other alternatives, but at this point, at that point in my life, and still today, it's like, just no, <laughs> I'm going down the path of allopathic medicine and you can still get the support the more alternative and natural ways that can support that. And so, but that, you know, it was, still wasn't a wake up call. I was just chugging along, pushing along. So this was happening as I started to think about what's the end game here as me as a restaurateur. And so then it's four years of Hashimoto, a depleted thyroid, that then I got a very bad flu one winter. In fact, I had gone to Memphis to see my mother. It rained really hard. I took my daughter to meet friends of ours who had left California, moved to Alabama, and we met in Tupelo, Mississippi, at Elvis's homestead in the middle of a pouring down cold winter day. I came back, I got super ill. I got on the plane, I got back home to LA, I was super ill. Long story short, of course, I'm such a rare bird, I flipped from hypo to hyper and from Hashimoto to Graves disease. Oh my God. But that took six, seven months of trying to figure it out, even with an endocrinologist. Yes. And I lost a lot of weight. People thought like, what is wrong with you? And well, there I, I was in this part of the restaurant business where people started to now see like, she's ready to go, you well, know? And, and the other thing is if people don't know you, you can't afford to lose any weight. You're a teeny little thing. I mean, you, you never had an extra five pounds on you. I know I you. did, but yeah. I, so all that's stabilized now. And, uh, and, and now I'd like to say, just to finish this story, yes. I am now medication free. I, I, you know, it's still sort of on my chart that I've had these autoimmune diseases and they could pop back. But basically, no medication with the thyroid, you know, and I still go a couple of times a year to get it all checked out. 
So, but, but yes, for women, those are the wake up calls and many of us ignore it. We think we can just plow on through. I did not put myself first most of the time. Now I, in fact, am. And sometimes when Cindy's telling me things like that she worked two or three days last week inside, I think, how did you get up three mornings in a row and go to work? Because, ah, because I love this free time that I have now. I have to have another cup of tea. I take my dogs for a walk. Oh, I wanted to watch that movie again that we watched. Oh, I have to roast a I found the most beautiful chicken. I mean, as I say to Cindy, I can putter an entire day away now and feel good. Yes, and feel good about, this is your time and you can do it. And yeah. also, you can have it, not do it. That's have right. it, love it, live it. My yeah. husband, we're both so lucky. And my husband was instrumental in it too because one day he said to me, Denise, there's more to life than work. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, when he said it to me, I, I, I was kind of, again, annoyed. I thought, what the hell do you mean by that? But I know exactly what he means. Now, Anne, I want people to know if they want to reach out, we will have all Anne's information. And we're gonna ask you to come back and talk to us some more about what you're doing now in this new free time, because everything you said today, there were so many pearls of wisdom. You have no idea. When it's your own life, I don't think you, we don't acknowledge our wisdom because you were doing so many things, you didn't even stop to think about it. Every once in a while, doctor says to me, doesn't that hurt, Denise? Your shoulder's in really bad shape. I said, never noticed it until I retired. said it's fine take a couple aspirin shut up buddy you know (laughs) who you think you're talking to so I think that that's very much a female thing but your story is so extraordinary if people want to reach us they can reach out to womenbeyond at icloud.com we get questions Anne and Anne's uh website is annegentry.com is that right yes that's right and I have to tell you, I know you just redid it. There was some, your website, you, you said it's a one pager because of course, after a long career, our resumes grow to be like these nine page, the open right. of resumes. I read it this morning and I learned something from it and it was just wonderful. Thank you. It was enchanting. Thank and Anne's books, if people want, your books are still on sale online from your website, aren't they, Anne? Yes, they are, yeah. Good. And, and, and that was one of the reasons I decided to do the one page website, because you're right, my other website, even after I got out of the restaurant business and was, you know, in the world of coaching and helping people and doing a few courses online, I was huge, you know, in the sales page and the, all the things to hook people in, all the videos of the Today Show and the talk and all those fun things that I got to do as a restaurant tour. But yeah, less is more. And right, my cook, two cookbooks, I mean, I might as well promote them at this moment. They are a great cookbook. The Real Food Daily Cookbook is going out of print. So this is a coveted book. And I got to tell you, yes, just like you, Denise, I'm making dinner every night. My love of cooking has totally, you know, opened up. Yeah, I'm back. I mean, that started in the early days of the pandemic. You had to. Had to. I read all kinds of cookbooks. I have so many other favorite cookbooks, but I got to say, I still use my own cookbooks and they stand the test of time and they work and it's fun. So yes, on my website, I've got a great deal. I'm selling them half price. I'll mail them to you anywhere in the continental USA 
for free. My husband can do that through his company. And I will autograph it. Oh, see, this whatever you want me to say. No one's going to do that from all the other places you might buy it. <laughs> and I cannot thank you enough. I say to Cindy, sometimes I listen to hear what the guest said again, because I learned something and it's fun. And otherwise I wouldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Because I've gotten to the stage, people offer me something and I think, hmm, it's not enough money for me to get out of my chair today. <laughs> or, eh, what are we going to get out of that? Do you know what I mean? It's a very different mindset. And I thank you so much for being a guest today. You are fabulous. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Again, womenbeyondacertainage.com. We have a website. We have a Facebook page. And if anyone wants to contact us, please do. Thank you, Miss Cindy, as always. Miss Cindy, of course, keeps the train on the tracks. And you know, people, most people know this. I have had ADD all my life. They change ADHD. It doesn't matter. I've got ADD. And Cindy is OCD. So together we make an excellent team. So thank you everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you again. Bye-bye. It was fantastic. Wait, it was.